Bent Hopkins, presented by Four Roses. Hey, welcome to Uber Stories Part 8, Derby Day Edition. This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by Four Roses Bourbon. If you're a brand new listener, welcome in, my friends. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to check out some of the previous episodes because there's a lot more where this came from, all right? If you're listening to this for the first time, subscribe to the podcast. I promise you it's going to be worth your time. Ride with me, my friends. Join me on this journey. Join me on Tuesdays for Uber Stories and Fridays for interviews. Hear from people like Aaron Harris, the guy I see at my gym, who literally came a matter of inches away from losing his life to in six months losing over 80 pounds, becoming a member of the Air Force National Guard, and becoming a personal trainer set on showing others the way. Hear from people like Tim Schladen, my neighbor who lives down the street, who bottomed out in the 80s, addicted to crack cocaine, heroin, and alcohol, but has since been sober for 34 years and now works as a social worker and a counselor coaching people on the power of vulnerability, empathy, and shame resiliency. Coming up this Friday, hear from people like Tony Booker, my former college football teammate and captain who went on to get his doctorate of pharmacy from the University of Kentucky and is the founder of By the Book, a pharmaceutical consulting firm based in Louisville that's geared towards helping people become the best version of themselves by offering personalized exercise, diet, supplemental, and lifestyle advice from licensed pharmacists. And coming up in the next few weeks, hear from people like Ed Hamilton, a Louisville hometown hero with a banner hanging in the city, a nationally acclaimed American sculptor whose work includes the Abraham Lincoln statue that sits near the Big Four Bridge, the York statue that can be found on 5th and Main Street, and his Spirit of Freedom masterpiece, a memorial to black Civil War veterans that sits in Washington, D.C. near Howard University. Real people, real stories, Real talk. That's what we do, baby. We do it for the city and we do it for the fans. The bar like wall, boy, you gotta do the dance. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm getting a little carried away with myself, but for real. To my people that have been down with me since we switched the style up June 1st, glad to have you back. And the people listening right now for the first time ever, glad to have you with us. Welcome to the show. If you get to the end of this episode and you're kind of like, hey, I kind of like this guy, I'm interested to see where this is going to go. Follow along with me on Twitter and Instagram at BennyTomp18, the Facebook page for the show at RealTalkWBennyT. Subscribe, rate, and review this bad boy on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify and SoundCloud. And drink your Four Roses bourbon because they pay me to say that, but even if they didn't, that's still what I'd be sipping on, okay? Because that's what winners do, all right? Top down in the winter, that's what winners do. You feel me? Grab yourself a bottle of Four Roses bourbon, be mellow, and be responsible. And if you can't be any of those things, then at least be responsible enough to call yourself an Uber. Who knows? Maybe you might even end up getting me and, and being on this podcast one day. Anonymously, of course, okay? But I always love a good story. And speaking of stories, boy, do we have some great ones today. Just a forewarning, viewer discretion is advised. There's going to be a lot of foul language used, and that's just how I talk. That's how people talk, all right? This is real talk. And if foul language offends you, then find another podcast, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's that simple, okay? Quick weekend recap, and then we're going to jump in, okay? I drove most of the weekend, drove Friday from 3.30 to 7 p.m., took a little break for dinner, hit the road again from about 9 to midnight, worked out Saturday morning, and then I went to hang out with a big group of some of my girlfriends from college that I hadn't seen in a while, many of whom I've known since high school. 
Hung out for a couple hours, couple races, couple games, and boom. Didn't drink, didn't have to drink because no one could stack me anyways, but I stayed sober because I knew I was going to have to bounce and get back on road so I could bring some bangers back on Uber Stories Part 8 Derby Day Edition. All right, Saturday, drove from 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. on Derby Day, about 11.30. And that that is what today's episode is really going to recap, those 10 rides. I'm going to save the handful of other stories from the week for next Tuesday's episode, Uber Stories Part 9. Minnesota, you know who you are. I got you then, my friend, okay? I got you. Coming up next Tuesday, Uber Stories Part 9. I finished up with everything around 1 a.m. Sunday morning. And I was packing, finishing laundry, because then at 5.30 a.m. Sunday morning, my girlfriend and I got up. Uh, She picked me up. We went backpacking, hiking, and camping at Red River Gorge. And I I love hiking and I love camping, but this was the first time that I had ever went backpacking. We got down there early to an area away from the main part of the gorge, a trail that she had found in an area that featured a waterfall. So that's where we went. And after what ended up being about a 55-hour work week between podcasts and content stuff and driving, as soon as we parked the car, I turned my phone off Sunday morning, I left it in the glove box, and into the woods we went. I unplugged. It felt fucking amazing. We hiked about a mile in, found this dope-ass spot near some running water, and we set up camp. All right, pitched a little tent, built a fire. We went on another hike to find said waterfall, saw some dogs playing in the water, just loving life. That was cool. We went back, played some cards. Uh, I started reading a book that my man B. Holmes gave me for my birthday, Friday Night Lights. Believe it or not, I've never read the entire book. I started it a long time ago, but I, I didn't get very far. But this time, got 97 pages deep in two days, and it was honestly one of the coolest things I've done in a while with one of the coolest people, man. My, my girlfriend is awesome. She's amazing. I thought uh, I was into hiking and nature and being one with the universe, but dude, she is like levels above me. Uh, she's been collecting and stockpiling all this super official gear, and this was the first time that she could use it all in the real life wilderness. So she had this water filtration system that we used to fill our bottles up with. And we would just go down to the stream, get some fresh cold water, run it through this nozzle, boom, you're good to go. And then she had this, like, it was like a Bunsen burner looking flame thing, okay, with a cup attachment that could boil water in less than 90 seconds. So then we would use the water we had filtered, pour it into these MRE looking bags of food that were actually pretty dank. We had pad thai for lunch one uh, on Saturday and then like a chicken, rice, and veggies for dinner. And I'm not kidding, they were actually pretty good, all right? We took pictures on her phone. Uh, she kept hers for the maps, but left it on airplane mode so that like both of us kind of totally disconnected from the outside world. Social media, everybody, everybody except ourselves, and we really had a great time. I got back on Monday. I worked on this podcast all day, and I worked on this podcast all day today, Tuesday as well. Um, got up super early thinking, okay, I'm going to have it done by like 3 p.m. Eastern, and I am just now taping this, and it's almost 6 p.m. Eastern, so, you know, it, it is what it is, okay, but uh, quality over quantity, and good things take time, my friends, so here we go, Uber Stories Part 8, Derby Day Edition, an incredible day, one of the best I've had thus far in the last few months. I'm going to do this one a little bit differently today, though, okay? So, usually, on these episodes, 
What I like to do is collect the best stories from the week and then structure them into different categories. Like some are motivational, some are dramatic, sometimes they're funny. But in previous episodes, that's how I've divvied them up. But this time, just the way that the day unfolded, it did so in such a perfectly linear way, I'm going to take you inside the car from rider to rider to show you just what it's like living a day in the life of an Uber driver in Louisville on Derby Day. But not just any Uber driver, of course, your boy, Benny T. So like I mentioned, Saturday was an incredible day and, and really just like a testament to where we're at right now and the vibes that I'm dishing out. But in order to go forward, first we must go back for a moment so I can put into perspective the energy we were bringing that day. Like I said, great week, plenty of stories that are going to have to be held until next week, but I was pretty fucking lit after Friday night, okay? I had a handful of really powerful connections, but my last ride of the night was a request from a girl we'll call Carly. It was after 11 p.m. I ride out to Hunting Creek and Prospect to pick her up. I pull up to a pretty nice house, and I see a big group of girls coming down the front yard, and before I even have time to roll down the window and say, hey... They swarm the car, one in the front seat, three in the back, and two more are half walking, half jogging down the driveway. I'm looking at them like, uh, and I know this is bad, okay, not everybody had a seatbelt, but here's how I justify it. I'd much rather let these girls pack into my car, five to the back seat, and know that I'm getting them home safely, know that they are getting home safely, and that everybody's staying together rather than making two of these girls get their own Uber and stand out there in the dark. If that's wrong, then fuck me, all right? Okay, like, I got them, all right? We're good. So these girls, I mean, they had to have been like 16, like 15, 16 years old, petite, man. So fitting five in the back wasn't too difficult for them. But I'm not going to lie. At first, I'm looking like, uh, you know, maybe one could like lap up in the front or we can have four back there. I don't know. But they get the door to shut, five in the back. And I'm like, all right, bet. So off we go. They were high schoolers. They went to and go to a popular high school here in Louisville. And they had just come from this dude's house that I guess probably had some parents who were out of town. So he invited his boys over. They invited the girls. All right, took me back to some OG times because all of us, I think, can probably remember what it was like to be in those shoes. Whether you're a girl or a guy, you probably, like, I mean, right before everybody can drive and stuff. And then back then, like, I, I didn't have Ubers taking me to go hang out with girls or have girls getting Ubers to, to come and hang out with us. It was just like, I, I, can't, I don't even know how we did it back then. But Brad Minky, where you at, baby? We, we were them. We were literally those dudes. Okay, bringing the girls over, parents out of town, except that like we really weren't because girls always had a good time when they came to my house. We were cool, all right? And, and apparently these dudes were not. The girls start telling me about, oh, they were all Indian, and it was really weird when, when the girls introduced themselves and some of the boys, instead of saying their names back, just kind of turned to each other and talked, and, and it was weird, they said. And one who was at least trying to interact he just kept on trying to crack lame jokes all night and be like the humorous asshole, but, but it wasn't really working for him, it wasn't funny, and it just sounded like a disaster. And these girls are telling me this, and we're driving, and I'm like, yeah, you know, in high school as guys, we, we really just don't know how to talk to you yet. Like, that's all it is. Um, it's like a super hard math equation or something. And unfortunately, some guys just never figure it out. 
but they're like, oh my God, thank God you're cool and let us all ride together. This is like, honestly, this seriously, the highlight of our night. And they're all like, yeah. And I'm like, ugh, you girls keep me young. Thanks for gassing me up, all right? But then they start in with the Inquisition, man. And when I tell you I was getting questions thrown at me like three at a time, I'm not kidding. All right, we had like a 10 to 15 minute ride and they were asking me what I did. You know, I told them I do a podcast. They were like, oh, no way, we wanna be on it. Let us record something and be on your show. So I'm like, okay, cool. So as soon as we get to your house, I got you. So when we finally pull up, I take my phone off the aux cord and I open up voice memos and this is what they laid down. is that how awesome is that the girl in the back going zika zika ah! <laughs> you know it really it really makes me happy to know that these gen zers still appreciate the spice girls right and know who they are but man that was hilarious that was a really good one and they were my last ride of the night so i went home i went to bed and it was that energy that i carried into derby day now you guys ready for some fucking story time here we go baby all right first ride of the day I'll go ahead and give his real name, because I know he won't mind. His name is Ross. I'm picking Ross up from a hotel down by the mall. And I didn't know this until him and his friend get in the car, but they're dressed in suits, and I'm taking them to a wedding in Crestwood. So as soon as they sit down, I say, what's up, fellas? Start taking off a little bit, and the guy sitting behind me in, in the passenger seat, uh, not Ross, goes, hey, Ben? And I'm like, yep. And he goes, what are you doing? I'm not wearing a mask in your car. I turn around, and it's my friend Kirby from undergrad. I had met Kirby through one of my fraternity buddies at UK, and he was somebody that was usually in the mix on the weekends, whether it meant seeing him out at the bars or hanging with him on the couch at what we called the trailer park, your typical college house complete with multiple screens, posters, and flags, and a coffee table littered with empty beer cans, dip spitters, and some shitty handle of bourbon missing its cap. Not Four Roses bourbon, all right? I hadn't seen him in five years. Oh, he says, let's go. And I'm like, what's up, Kirby? Oh, and then he says, hey, hey can we go back? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he says, can I get a beer real quick to turn around? I'm getting a goddamn beer. I didn't know you were picking me up. I just looked at your Uber thing, picking people up. I had no idea it was you. And basically 15 minutes before this, I had posted a pic on the gram that I was out and about driving Uber and, and plugging what would become today's episode, right? And I'm like, what a fucking way to start the day. You guys are literally my first ride of the day. And they're like, no way. And I'm like, all right, all right, we can do masks off. And look, here's the way I see it. When my brother or my girlfriend or my friends get in the car with me, I don't make them mask up. Kirby's a friend. And by extension of him, Ross is now a friend too. We've got a 25-minute ride. I'm with my boys. Fuck it, mask off, all right? Ross says, what's up? I'm like, nice to meet you, man. And I pull back up to the entrance of the hotel they're staying in. I turn to Kirby and say, grab a couple. It's a 25-minute ride. So he runs up, and then Ross and I start talking. How long have you been doing this? I give him the pitch, and he's like, oh, nice, man. That's awesome. This car's insane. And he's like, man, I was looking at Kirby like, what the fuck is he doing? I had no idea that you guys knew each other. And I ask him what he does, and he tells me that he lives up in Cincinnati, and he tells me what he does for work. We start talking about enjoying what you do and why it's important because... 
if you truly enjoy what you do, it makes it really easy to tolerate the shitty things that happen to you in life, right? And if you're not doing something that you're passionate about, then you're never going to make it through those days and the weeks and the months where shit is just so stressful that you want to give up. Your passion is what keeps you going through those times, and if it's not there, you're never going to make it. I don't know who needs to hear that, but take that advice and save yourself some fucking time, okay? Go find something you do enjoy doing. So we're talking, and by this time, Kirby's returned from the hotel, and he's carrying like four or five beers in his arms. He gets back in the car, and Ross is telling me how he's been thinking about doing a podcast. He says he's just got some mics, and he messes around with music. So I show him a picture of the home studio, and Kirby's like, oh, nice, nice. So you're just doing it from home then? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, listen, pretty much everybody was at any radio station was starting to do stuff, um, you know, their shows from home anyways in March. And and honestly, my studio here is better than the radio station I was at. My boss was a hack. He was a fucking dick. And Ross says, dude, that's it with radio stations, man. You either have like really good people or really shitty people. And he tells me that he applied to be on the show that Matt Jones was doing with TJ Beisner called Hey Kentucky at some shitty station. And he says, I made it down to the final three. And Kirby chimes in and says, he was legitimately the mascot at UK. He's friends with Matt and Drew and all those guys. And then Ross continues, yeah, there was like three rounds and the first one was just entertaining him. The second one was producing a live segment on the show, which I had never done before, but it went really well, but I got beat out by this dude who played football in Virginia, super articulate, Uh, but then the show flopped pretty soon after that because they fired Matt Jones, and I'm like, I think Ducker was doing some stuff with Hey Kentucky too, wasn't he? And uh, Kirby's like, yeah, but now he's a Delta flight attendant, and uh, you know, says Kirby at his best Ducker impression, right? And Ross says, I feel like I met you before, Ben. I feel like if you ran with Ducker and that whole crew, and I'm like, dude, yeah, if you came to the trailer park one weekend to hang with Max and Kirby, then I've definitely met you before. So we shoot the shit for a bit, and then they ask, so how late will you drive tonight? Probably midnight, because the incentives are good tonight. And they say, if you're close to where we're headed, we'll pay you off-caller if you're interested. We'll go big. We'll give you a hundy to come get us. And I'm laughing like, okay, sure. You know, if you're serious, then hell yeah. You know what I mean? But like, come on. Uh, But Kirby says, hey, I I got stranded at the casino a couple weeks ago till 6 a.m. Had to stand in the parking lot and give this guy a Benjamin Franklin to take me home. And I'm like, little Benji? And he says, hey, do, do you know Benjamin? He'd love for me to get me home. And, you know, just for the record, like, I'm not opposed to this, by the way, at all. Okay? If people want to pay me rather than pay me through the app and it's an event like this, I'm I'm more than open to this. People, I've dropped people off at the airport before and they're like, hey, would you come and pick me up? And I'm like, yeah, if you call me and pay me like, you know, something, we'll, we'll negotiate, right? Uh, but but yeah, I'm not opposed to this, okay? And so I file this kind of away in the back of my mind and I just keep the conversation moving forward. I ask them about their wedding they're going to and they tell me it's one of their good friends from back home. They say he's stupid smart, like admitted to undergrad before high school smart, got his entire med school paid for smart, which is unheard of. But he's got this demented, sick, fucked up humor. I would love him, they say. They say the first year he was in med school, apparently he got called in the dean's office because people had been talking about what they were going to specialize in, and he kept on telling people pediatric gynecology. 
<laughs> okay, apparently the dean wasn't too fond of that. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what a savage. That's what we're headed towards, they say. So then Ross says, wait, where'd you go to high school again? I know you told me. And I'm like, North Oldham. And he's like, okay, okay, I'm trying to think of, did you know so-and-so? No, I, I think she went to Oldham. Um, that That's its own thing, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's its own thing. And Kirby says, he'll start bringing up this mascot stuff, watch out. And we kind of laugh, and he continues. So just to give you an example, remember when they did the Occupy Kroger thing? You know, the, the picture of those two people that went wild? And I'm like, yeah. So the kid hit the half-court shot, and they said his foot was over the line, so Kroger wasn't going to pay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There were two people that took a picture in front of Kroger. That was me and Kirby. Kirby says, you're sitting with them. Man, that picture made it on the Yahoo's homepage. And sure enough, if you search hashtag Occupy Kroger on Twitter, there's a Drew Franklin tweet from January 7th, 2012, and there's Kirby and Ross holding up handmade signs that say, pay up, pay the man. And Kroger, realizing what a massive PR fuck-up this would be if they didn't, ponied up the $10,000 and paid the dude that hit the shot. And if you look at the photo, his shoe might be like two inches over the line, but it's like, come on, man, pay the fucking kid his money, all right? That was a half-court shot. So they did. Then Ross says, wait, were you at Allison's wedding? And I knew exactly what he was talking about. Last September, one of my best friends, Max, had been married to his longtime sweetheart, Allison, and I was the best man at the wedding. Gave a killer speech, pissed nobody got it on video, but... Anyways, I digress, okay? Oh, yeah. I say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, I DJed Allison's wedding. And right there in that moment, it clicked. It just clicked for me. I'm like, no shit. Dude, we were on the dance floor killing it. And he said, that's exactly how I know who you are. And I'm like, dude, I, I even told you great job, too. Like, I came up and dapped you up before we left. And he's like, yeah, man, we talked. That's how I knew. I could only see your eyes sitting back here, but I knew I knew you from somewhere. And for the record, again, he did kill that wedding. Like, the music was great all night. Everybody had a great time. And right before I left, I distinctly remember walking up to him, and I dapped him up and said, you fucking killed it, man. All right? And I said, God, it's funny how things come full circle. And Kirby says, I'm glad I said something. You know, I, I almost didn't say, Ben, is that you? That's fucking funny, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I mean, I probably would have looked at you at some point and been like, hold up, I fucking know this guy. And they're like, man, that is so fucking funny. Ross says that he used to DJ a lot of events, but doesn't do it as much anymore. Just kind of comes out of retirement every once in a while for special occasions. He says it's hard to really love doing it if you don't have any connection to the people you're DJing for because it can really get stale and dry really quick. And a lot of time, like, being good has, has a lot to do with the people that are there wanting to have a good time, which to me makes a ton of sense, right? It'd be like being the funniest comedian ever, but if no one in the audience has a sense of humor, they're going to think you suck. And you don't suck. The people suck, right? But what are you going to do? But apparently Ross had this connection to Allison through her grandparents of some cousins. Long story short, it's a fucking small world, man. He was like, that wedding was fun, man. I said, Kirby, he got us up there and started doing dance-offs, and he put the best man against the maid of honor, and I pole danced. I pole danced in front of everybody, and Ross says, it was awesome. It was fucking awesome. 
They did this reception under a giant tent, and there were these massive poles supporting the tent. And Ross, who's DJing, called up the dads, you know, he called up the brothers, and then it was best man versus maid of honor doing dance-offs. It was me versus her. And hey, I can dance, okay? I love the dance. But I've never been in a dance-off, like one versus one, mano y mano. So instead of beating her with pure moves alone, I relied on one of my strongest qualities, showmanship. I busted a few next to her, saw the pole, and knew it was the only chance I had of victory. I moved my way towards it, grabbed a hold of that thing, and man, I busted it low and grinded that pole like a stripper laid on rent. The crowd fucking loved it. I'm sure there were some who were shocked, all right? A couple, like the groom's father, shook his head like this fucking guy. And luckily, there were no kids allowed at the wedding. But hey, it's like Cleveland Little's character Bart says in Blazing Saddles. I always like to keep my audiences riveted. (laughs) He says to Kirby, man, they were the best crew. You know, so at this point, we're starting to get pretty close to the venue, which was pretty deep, not going to lie. You know, pretty deep out in Oldham County. They're out in Crestwood, pretty far. He says, Ben, do you think Uber drivers come out this far to pick up? And I'm like, man, honestly, man, I live 15 minutes away in Prospect. And sometimes when I first go online, I'll get a request out here. But it's kind of rare, man. Like if I'm in the city, I'm not going to get a request way out here. And that's true. Like you might. The furthest that I've driven to make my first pickup is 20 minutes. But if you're in a busy area, it's going to send you to the closest requests in proximity to where you're at or where you're headed. And most of the time, if a driver looks at your request coming in and he sees that you're way out in the middle of nowhere they're probably going to decline it so that they can stay where the majority of requests are going to be. But if someone is kind of close, I don't know, man, you might be okay. And Kirby's like, well, we'll we'll find a way. We'll find something. But Ross says, I mean, seriously, though, like, are you interested if we pay you like 100 to come out and pick us up tonight? And I say, what time? And he says, it's over at 11, so sometime before that. And I think about it for a second, and then I say, if you give me 100, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'm your fucking guy. And he goes, yeah, I'll give you a hundy. And I said, you know what? Hey, I'll begin my night with you guys and I'll end my night with you guys. And Kirby's going, yeah. And Ross is like, let's do it. And I say, what a story that's going to be on Tuesday's podcast, man. Ross goes, man, I thought Kirby was just having a meltdown. I was like, what the fuck are you doing, Kirby? And I'm like, I'm not wearing the mask. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I'm not wearing the mask. And, and, and Kirby's like, yeah, when I knew it was Ben, I was like, nah, it's out. I'm done. He can fuck off. <laughs> so finally, we arrive at the wedding venue. And I pull up to where they're directing traffic. And I give Ross my card. And I say, give me like a 30-minute heads up so I can be wrapped up with other rides, get back out there. And they're like, all right, man, thanks a lot. And I tell the guys to have a blast. I say a little prayer that I'd be able to get a ride quickly without having to drive all the way back into St. Matthew's. And then I was on my way. And not even five minutes later, much to my relief, I got another request from a rider named Sean. And she was pretty close, so I was hyped. All right. Now, the deeper that you get into Oldham County, the more scarce the ride requests become. Like, J-Town, Middletown, if someone takes you out there, you're usually fine. There's there's usually enough uh, traffic and, and ride requests if you get into J-Town or Middletown. And, um, usually like Shawnee, Shively, no problem getting requests there. But the further out east you go, the less likely it is that you're going to be getting rides one after the other. 
you're probably going to have to drive back closer to the city, which you're still on the clock, but you're using your own time and gas to do that. So it's like dead air time, basically. But that's why I was so hyped when I didn't have to go that far until Sean's request came in. And, and the way that the last night had ended and the way that today had started, plus like getting to see my friends from earlier in the day, plus it being derby day, like I'm just glowing, man. I'm fucking glowing up, all right? So I pick her up and we ask each other how our days are going and I ask her what she's getting into today and she says, oh, just working out, haven't been in a while. And we talk about being back in the gym after them being closed for so long, you know? And then, you know, once they open, just like working up the courage to get back in there. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's hard. Like, it's really hard. Like the first week that they opened my gym in June, going back in there was super hard. But then I I told her, in your mind, just tell yourself, like, if you can just nail this for three weeks, and after that third week, it's gonna become routine. And I said, it'll be cake. But it just takes a couple minutes to build up that momentum. So we continue talking for a few minutes on our way to the gym that she goes to, and I tell her about the podcast, and I tell her a few stories, and when we get there, there's not a single car in the parking lot. She's like, oh, no, and I'm like, no. Well, with it being derby day, gyms were on special hours and closed early, and she says, this is what I get for not looking. I say, it's okay. I'll, I'll take you back if you want, and she's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, 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 of course. Okay, that's a bummer, man. And she's like, yeah. And I say, all right, when you get back home, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do 10 rounds outside. You're already ready to work out, so just keep that same energy. And I want five push-ups, 10 sit-ups, and 15 air squats. And I want you to do that 10 times, 10 rounds. And she says, sir, yes, sir. And I said, and I promise you will get a good workout. Okay, but you got to do it. Okay, 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 you know? And I'm like, all right, you know? Five push-ups, 10 sit-ups, 15 squats. You got that. She's like, yeah, that's not a lot. I'm like, you could do it. So we talked for a few more minutes on our way back to her house, and right as I'm pulling into her driveway, I said, all right, if, if you're, listen, if you're serious about that workout, I want you to time it and take a picture of it and send it to me on Instagram, and I'll make that a story. She's like, okay, thank you, thank you. She gets out of the car, she runs up to her front door, and I went on my way. But this story isn't over yet, my friends, not yet. There's a pretty fucking awesome part two, okay? Just wait. So now, after these two rides, I'm feeling good, man. I'm fucking vibing. Like, I feel like I'm throwing touchdown passes all over the city, not just today, but all week long. This just feels like one big continuation of all of these positive interactions and great conversations that I've been having leading up to these first two rides. Those go amazing, and now I'm on my way to pick up a rider we'll call Jamie. Jamie is old. The man she's with is even older. They both appear to be in their 60s. He might have been even in his 70s, but it's date night, and I'm taking them to the comedy caravan over in the Mid-City Mall home of the greatest Mediterranean buffet of all time, Alhamra. Okay, my day ones, they know, all right? Special shout out to the old plug. But man, I'm telling, this guy had me rolling, dude. I ask who they're seeing, and Jamie says, Tom Mabe, do you know who he is? And I say, no, ma'am. And she says, oh, gosh, he's from Louisville. He is so funny. And the gentleman she's with says, we're going to have a few drinks. You know how it goes. Got a bit of really gruff voice few more anyways. 
And Jamie says, that's why Uber's good. And I'm like, hey, that's what I'm here for, you know? And the guy says, how young are you? <laughs> I said, 28 years old. And he goes, you're driving some OGs around. Original gangsters back here. And I'm like, hey, that's what I call people, man. OGs. What's good, G? My OGs, man. We ride. All right? And he loved that. So we talk about it not feeling like Derby Day and Derby Weekend and just kind of being weird, right? Oh, I almost forgot that it was Derby Week type shit, right? And they ask, what do you do? And I tell them about the podcast, uh, Uber stories and interviews. I tell them a couple stories. And then Jamie tells me a story about a girl she knows who drives for Uber. She had asked, what's it like dealing with drunk people? And then said, I had a friend who was driving and she picked these three people up and one woman was so totally drunk that when the other two got out, she couldn't even get this other girl out of the car. Like the other two passengers got dropped off and this other girl, the third, the last one, was so drunk, couldn't move out of the car, couldn't get herself stuck off the seatbelt. And I'm like, oh man, that's awful. Like that's awful. And Jamie says, yeah, she had to call the cops to get her out and get her into the house. And she's like, I, I wasn't going to sit there and in the driveway, you know? And I'm like, hey, yeah, I mean, listen, ultimately, like, my responsibility as an Uber driver starts and stops when we arrive at your point A and point B. My job is to get you there safely. Enjoyably, right? Entertainingly, but safely. Above everything else, safely. And once we arrive at your destination, then it's like, man, you're kind of on your own, you know? And again, um, the question comes up, so is this all you do? And I say, actually, no, ma'am, I host a podcast, and we go through that, and she asks if I get paid for the podcast, and I said, yes, ma'am, Four Roses Bourbon sponsors the show, and I'm working on adding a couple other sponsors right now as we speak. And the guy speaks up as soon as I mentioned that and says, Four Roses, I got drunk as shit off that last year at the Bella Louisville race. Ooh-wee, Moses, it tore me up. And she says, he did, he really did. And he says, I lost her. She says, yeah, you embarrassed me. I couldn't find you. He says, oh, I was drunk. And I'm laughing, imagining somebody being so drunk that they get lost on a boat. And I say, hey, thank you for your business. We appreciate you. And he goes, well, it was all free. Open bar. I was sitting at the mayor's table, and it was fun. And she says, yeah, but I couldn't find you anywhere. He goes, oh, I fell down the steps, got lost in the bathroom, stuff like that. And I ask, where was he when you finally found him? And she said, outside the boat. He was in the parking lot. And he's chuckling now, and he's like, I got off the boat. <laughs> so then we talk about how they met online, and they tell me Match.com. And I'm like, hey, me too. That's how I met my girlfriend, kind of, like Hinge. It's an app, okay? Basically the same thing. You used a website. I used a website for your phone, okay? And this guy had a flip phone. So that they, you know, they... Chances are he probably didn't know what an app even meant, right? We're not talking TJI Fridays here, okay? And then I ask if they've always lived in Louisville, and Jamie says yes, and she starts telling me about her family, and she says a last name that I know of, and I'm not going to say it out of respect for the family, uh, but she says a last name that I know. And I'm like, hey, my stepdad is one of those guys. He's in that family. And she's like, no way. And uh, she says, I don't know if I know him, and I start saying uh, my stepdad's sister's names, and she's like, no. But when I say his dad's name, technically like my step-grandpa, everybody in the family calls him Opa, all right? She says, oh, yes, yes, I know him. Oh, my gosh. They lived, off of, they lived over off of so-and-so, you know. Oh, yes, what a small world. 
I'm like, man, that's cool. You know, so the third ride, it's going great. I just met a distant relative. That's hella random. But what a start we're off to, okay? Not much more happened. Just a couple more funny lines from the guy talking about being old school, laughing at calling himself an OG, being very amused with that, saying he's set in his ways, to which she objected a little, to which he said, it's okay, works for me. (laughs) And I asked if they had kids here, and he said, I do, but I don't know them. And then he laughs with that smoker's cough, and he's like, ha, ha, I shouldn't have said that. I just like drinking bourbon. <laughs> and, and she says, shh, that's all you ever talk about. And then he repeats the word again, bourbon. <laughs> and I go, four roses bourbon. I said, keep drinking that, man. Finally, we pull up to the comedy caravan. He hands me a tip, and right before he gets out, he drops the one-liner of the week. Be safe, man. Watch them because they're watching you. I'm like, "Eh, pretty good advice. And shout out to my OGs. All right. Now, the next one is somewhere we've all been before. Most of us anyways, right? Just kind of having a bad day. It was super awkward, though. Okay, we'll call this writer Kevin. Kevin gets in, him and a chick, and I just picked him up from a party at somebody's house. And man, as soon as I pull up, he's two steps in front of her. She's holding her arm across her body with the other one. She's got no shoes. Hair is a mess like she just woke up. They get in and he's talking to her and he's like, do you think it's at my house? She's like, I don't know. I hope. And he asks, are you okay to Uber alone? And she says, yes. And then he asks me, are you allowed to extend rides? And I'm like, yeah, if she's leaving from your place, you can just put a new destination in. And he's like, yeah, she thinks she left her phone there, so I'm just going to run up and try to look for it. And then if you can just drop her off at the place she's going, I'm like, yeah, man, no problem. She's sitting back there looking out the window, obviously just like kind of wrecked and and probably just in her head. And I say, hey, listen, don't freak out. Phones are replaceable. It happens to everybody. Everything's going to be okay. And she's like, thank you, thank you. Really drunk, nasally voice. She's like, oh, thank you. I, I can't even do it, okay? But um, we get to his house. They both run up there, and she finds her phone pretty quickly. And so he waves at me as she walks down his driveway, except when she gets in the car, instead of sitting right back in the seat in the back that she was sitting in, she opens the door and sits next to me. And I'm like, uh, okay, all right. I don't say anything because she's drunk, clearly on the verge of a meltdown. Any little thing could potentially set her off. And I'm like, fuck it, whatever. Like 15 minutes, she's out of here. So the app updates, I get her new destination, and then we start going. And I'm like, hey, I'm glad you found your phone. And she's like, oh, I know, me too, thank you. And I'm like, now all we got to do is find you some shoes. (laughs) She's like, uh, she kind of laughs and she's like, yeah, I hope I'll find them one day because they were cute. So a minute minute or two goes by, and it's kind of awkward silence. Like, she's just kind of sitting there next to me. And uh, I ask her if she's a student. I'm just making small talk, right? But I can tell that she really just doesn't want to tell me much about her. Like, she's being very guarded. And after that train of conversation trailed off pretty quickly, uh, I asked her if if she cared if I just turned the music up. You know, she said no, and I did. And we rode the rest of the ride in silence. Which was fine by me, honestly. Um, She called a friend right when we were getting close to come out that she was about to pull up. 
She did all, all the right things that girls should do when riding in Ubers alone, especially drunk. And when we pulled up, her friend was outside waiting. You know, we said goodbye, and I was relieved to have her out of the car because it was it was like kind of awkward, man. Like not tense, but I could just tell that her guard was up. Obviously so, right? Rightfully so. Um, because as unfortunate as it is to say, how many Uber stories begin with pretty girl, drunk, alone, in an Uber, hashtag me too. Too many. Way too fucking many, okay? And at first, like I thought talking would might make her feel a little bit more comfortable. But after those two attempts, the last thing that I wanted her thinking was that I'm being weird trying to ask her questions, right? Get her information, being a creep, whatever. Like, that's just something that I totally wanted to avoid at all costs. And her sitting there being like, why is he trying to talk to me? Like, that's weird. Like, I I think it's weird that she comes and sits up front, but hey, whatever, right? I get her to her spot. I turn the music up. I waved at a friend, told her, I hope your night is better than your day has been. And I shook those vibes and got back on the road, okay? After that, I pick up another woman coming back from a derby party and heading to see her dude. We talked about fraternities and sororities. She talked about her recent divorce, which at one point after going into, she said, that's the most I've ever told an Uber driver. And I said, I I tend to have that effect on people. Clearly. I asked how old she was, and she said, I'm 30, and that he was older. And I said, hey, 30, flirty, and thriving. And she loved that. She fucking loved it. She had a pretty good one-liner when speaking about her friends, and she said whenever they complain and say things like, ugh, I'm 31 and something, or I'm 28 and something, I'm like, yeah, you could be 30 and divorced, so I kind of don't want to hear it, all right? This <laughs> is true. This is true, okay? But other than that, nothing else too memorable. It was just a good conversation. Like She played soccer in college. We talked about that. She works in an industry that I'm, I'm pretty interested in and I find very fascinating, but it's pretty small, so I, I'm not going to say too much about it. And But it was just like a good 25-minute ride. But right about this time, it's been about an hour and a half, maybe even two hours since I dropped off Sean, right? My second rider of the day, the workout chick, remember? I told you there was a part two. And as me and the soccer chick were getting close to her destination, I get a text from a random number. I see it's a video. And then all of a sudden I get another text message. And I'm like, hmm. But of course, you know, I I can't open it uh, and play it while I'm driving in front of a rider. But as soon as soccer chick gets out and I'm about to take off and head on my way to my next ride, I open up the text and it says, hey, it's Sean from today. And then I play the video and here's what it says. Hey, Ben, it's Shylin or Sean from today. Your second Uber drive. I just want to say thank you for helping me uh, getting motivated on working out, even though the gym was closed. I knew that if you didn't say anything, I would probably just be laying around my house right now, not doing anything. But I did everything and (laughs) it was a workout. I had to take a whole 30 minutes just to cool down from everything. But thank you so much. Just want you to get this video recording to you for your um, podcast, which is super cool, by the way. But yeah, that's all I want to say. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, that makes me want to tear up. Like, are you kidding me? That, that right there, dude. That is why I do this shit. I had forgotten 
all about that, just moving right along with the day. And when I got that and watched it, I was like, damn, dude. Like, look at all of these seeds we're planting. I'm literally starting to watch some of them grow. And I've been doing this full time for like over three months now, just getting into my fourth month. And between getting videos like that or having the girls from the night before wanting to record that clip, people reaching out to me on social media and thanking me for our talk, I'm like, this is fucking awesome. That was fucking awesome. That I was able to reach this person and motivate them and that our paths crossed just for that brief moment. But to know that I made a positive impact on somebody else's life, it's fucking powerful, man. That's why I love doing this shit. Videos like that keep me pushing through those tough weeks, right? I fuck with you, Sean, and I'm proud of you, girl. Keep that same energy, make it a habit, and get back on your grind. (sighs) All right, the next one was a flop. Just didn't want to talk. And honestly, (laughs) at this point, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because after going five for five, I needed 20 minutes of silence. It's hella exciting to be whipping around from place to place, rider to rider, everything's new, everyone's different, you're busy, it's frantic, you don't know what's going to happen next or who you're going to meet or where the conversation's going to go, but nine times out of ten, it's going to go somewhere interesting. It's wildly entertaining, but it can also be wildly chaotic and exhausting, right? You literally don't have a minute to stop and regroup because as soon as you drop off one rider and one conversation ends, the next one is already waiting on you. Sometimes it's 10 minutes away, sometimes it's two minutes away, but as soon as one ends, you're literally on the way to the next. That thrill that server's talking about, like waiters, like getting on a busy night, you know what I'm talking about? Same thing. Time's going by so fast, and if you're really enjoying what you're doing, you barely even notice. So every once in a while, It is nice to get those writers who have their AirPods in or just kind of disengaged or off in their own world because then despite physically being someone in the car with me, I feel like finally like ah, a moment to myself. Like I can turn the music up a little bit and just cruise. So cruise we did and I dropped that writer off and then I made it over to scoop up my guy we're calling Garrett, all right? Garrett gets in carrying a cooler has a hat on like my brother likes to wear, so I'm like, all right. He's coming back from hanging at a buddy's house, just a good dude. And he asks if he can open a beer, sitting there. I'm like, yeah, man, go ahead, all right. We're riding, and he's talking, and he asks if I did anything for Derby. And I was like, yeah, I hung out with some college and high school friends earlier in the day. And he asked me if I went to UofL. And I'm like, no, I went to UK. And he's like, oh, you seem like a young guy, man, I'm sorry. And I'm like, yeah, no, 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 yeah, all worries, no worries. I'm 28, and I got a baby face. And he goes, oh, 28? Never mind, you're not even that young. And I'm like, oh, hang on, wait a second here. And we're both just laughing because we're just breaking balls, right? And he's like, I mean, I'm 45, but yeah, I thought you were younger than that. And he starts telling me about his kids and that he loves being married. He loves it so much, actually. He's done it twice, he says. We talk about how much a different it makes having family around when you're starting a family, having babysitters, basically in grandparents' aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, whatever. And then he asked me the most Louisville question ever, where'd you go to high school? And we talk about that. We talk about his job. He worked at UPS as a supervisor, said his wife works there too, which is pretty cool, and said he's going to be eligible to retire at 55, and his wife is 12 years younger than him. And he's like, she's part of my retirement plan, man. And I said, the new social security. And he's like, yeah, but it might suck when I'm sitting at home and she's got 12 more years to go. (laughs) right? 
And then he asked me at one point about what I do, and I tell him about driving. I tell him I love meeting new people, talking to new people, and he's like, man, you get to hear stories all night and get paid for it. That's pretty awesome, man. That's awesome. And I told him about having a pivot in March, trying to get to 680, and ultimately just landing on this, and, and um, he gave me some really good advice. You know, He was really encouraging. He thought everything I was telling him was cool, and he said that that's how this world is, man. Just do your thing. That's all it is, man. People are either going to love it or they're going to hate it or they don't know who you are or they don't care. It don't matter, man. But I love the fact that you're going for it. That's awesome. And I'm like, dude, I, I really fucking appreciate that, man. Thank you. And, you know, I struggled with it at first, leaning into it fully because I was just like, oh, or, you know, is all you do drive for Uber? And I'm like, you know, it's, are you a waiter? You know what I mean? But like, look, it's good. And I handed him a card because by this time we're pulling up to his house. I told him to check out the show. Said, good to meet you, man. And he's like, hell yeah, bro. And I said, have a good rest of your night, all right? And he said, you too, man. And then right before he shut the door, he said, hey, man, don't get all bent out on all that shit, man. You got it. And I said, I won't. I won't. Thank you. And he shut the door. And I drove away going, my man, my fucking man, my man. Like, that was a great ride. Great dude. And I appreciate the fuck out of you for your kind words, my friend. Once again, just another affirmation that I'm on the right path. All right? Now, this next one was actually pretty nuts. Gagoots, as us Italians like to say. She was gagoots. Let's call her Angelica, because I've never once met an Angelica that I've ever liked. You know, it's funny, man. Like, one thing that I've learned about doing this is that I can sense someone's energy the second they open the door. I know that sounds kind of strange, but I can tell so much about a person by how they open the door, greet me, sit down, and close the door. And most of the time, it's polite. It's gentle. It might be busy or distracted sometimes. But man, the second someone opens that door and greets me, I know everything I need to know. And the second this bitch opened my door, I knew she was toxic. Her body language the way she looked at me, the way she said hello, it was so viscerally negative that in my mind, I immediately went, oh, what did I just miss? Because whatever situation I'm picking her up from must have been fucking awful. And it was. Like she had literally just walked out of a fight with her boyfriend and into my car. But she didn't stop with just her boyfriend. Oh, no, 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 no. He was just the first casualty in what was destined to become a wake of bodies and bad decisions trailing behind her that night. Unfortunately for me, I was the unlucky bastard that was up next. She actually brought me to a point where we were both yelling at each other. Like, I am driving down the fucking street yelling at my rider who is yelling at me back. Like, it's a totally normal thing, okay? And in the back of my mind, I'm like this is a sitcom right now. Like, this is my life. Like, this is one of those pause the screens, I bet you're wondering how I got here moments. So let me tell you how I got here, okay? Angelica opens the door. I said, hello. And she looks at me pissed the fuck off that I've even spoken words to her. She pauses for a minute and she says, hey. And I go, how you doing? I'm okay. I can tell that she's really shaken up. So I'm like, you good? She's like, ugh, yeah. And she kind of lets out like a half cry and sniffles but holds it in. And I'm like, is it just you? And she says, yep. And she calls her friend and she tells her that she's on the way. And she's like, Benjamin is here. See you in a bit. 
and she keeps on sniffling. Probably coked out now that I think about it, but I, I don't know that for sure. I can't say that for certain, but we start going, and then she asks me my name, which was super weird because like she had literally just said it on the phone to tell a friend, like, Benjamin here, um, and her friend's like, who's Benjamin? She's like, the, the Uber guy. And so I'm like, she, she literally goes, what's your name, sir? And I say Ben, and she's like, oh, I just call you Benjamin. And I'm like, yeah, you know, the app won't let me change it. It's so dumb, which is, which is really, it, it's so dumb. Like, Uber will not recognize my name, Ben, as my actual, like, name that I go by. They just are like, well, you have to get your license changed. And I'm like, I don't want to have to go to the DMV and get a new license just to literally have you guys change my fucking name. So it's just Benjamin when people when it when it pulls up, okay? She's like, yeah, I I know how that goes. Like, it, it won't let me change my name either. It's weird. But then she says, one of her favorite movies is Benjamin Button. Have you ever seen it? She asks. No, I never have. And she goes, you need to. It's one of the few movies that have changed my perspective on life. And then she lists her top three movies: Benjamin Button, Goodwill Hunting, and A Beautiful Mind. And I say, okay, so I've seen A Beautiful Mind. And she goes, A Beautiful Mind. And so I go to therapy like, and she trails off and, he, and she looks at her phone and she goes, hey, baby, in a puppy dog voice, followed by bye, 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 fuck you. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm assuming like whatever dude she just dipped on was trying to call her and, and she's like, hey, baby, bye, 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 fuck you. It was odd, odd to say the least. But then she totally ignores that I just told her that I've seen A Beautiful Mind. And then she proceeds to give me a five-minute synopsis on the movie. And it's so fucking painful because I'm literally finishing her sentences when she's stalling out. She's like, oh, he had some kind of a disorder. Uh, and I'm like, he was schizophrenic. And she's like, yes, yes. And I'm like, yeah, I, I've seen this movie. Oh, you have? I'm like, dude, yes. Like... <laughs> And then she starts telling me about Goodwill Hunting. Like, like I, you know, I haven't seen it before. Like, only one of the most famous movies of all time. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, ooh, ooh, please do The Godfather next. Like, fucking slay me, okay? She finishes selling me Matt Damon. And then she goes, you know what? I, I'm kind of having an awful night. And I said, I know. I, I, I knew as soon as you walked in. Like, I could tell. And she's like, I'm literally the funnest person I just had a really rough night. Well, what happened? She goes, no, there, there's nothing to even talk about. I'm in a relationship, and I don't think people should talk about their relationships with other people, but I'm just having a really rough night. And I told her, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I was. Like, I hate hearing that, you know? And you know what? What she said was good enough for me. I'm not going to poke and prod at something just to get some juicy drama for the show. If, if that's what it is, like, as much as I wanted to in the moment, I'm like, that's cool. Let's, like, let's take it somewhere else. And she says, thank you so much. You know, I, I really just don't want to talk about it. So I don't say anything, you know. Uh, after I said, I'm sorry, she goes, thank you so much, and, and I just really don't want to talk about it. I, I don't say anything. Maybe 10 seconds goes by, and she says, so, you're Uber driving, and that was another issue. My boyfriend doesn't let me get an Uber by myself. Like, he's really against it. But I'm like, if I'm drunk, how am I supposed to get home? You know what I mean? And I'm like, no, I totally get it. And she says, I'm like strapped. I don't know if you're strapped, but I'm strapped. I don't know if I should be telling you that. I'm like, good for you. 
Okay. <laughs> and she goes, there's just been a lot of stuff going on recently around here, around Black Lives Matter. I don't know what your take on it is, but we, we don't have to talk about politics. But what do you think about it, actually? <laughs> I'm like, okay. She's saying that she doesn't want to talk about these things, but she actually does want to talk about these things. Oh, I don't want to talk about my boyfriend, but wait, let me tell you all about my boyfriend. And oh, I don't want to talk politics, but wait, let's hear your take on it so that I can interrupt you midway through and tell you mine. Like, that's really what this was all about. She wanted to be heard, and she wanted to argue. And since she couldn't do it with her boyfriend, here I was. She says, can I ask you that? I'm like, sure. She says, can you answer me honestly? I say, sure. And if I don't agree with you, can I answer it honestly? And if we don't agree on it, we can just agree to disagree? I'm like, sure. She says, okay, you go ahead. So I begin, well, I support Black Lives Matter. And I think it's a group of people saying, stop treating us as if we're disposable just because our skin isn't white. Do I support people burning down businesses or... And she cuts me off and says, uh, I'm Blue Lives Matter. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I'm like, okay, well... And then she goes, Psh. <laughs> And I said, I think that you have to understand that like, the people who talk about Black Lives Matter are tired of... And she says, absolutely. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, bitch, you don't even know what I'm about to say. Like, What are you agreeing with? Like, Stop cutting me off. And I continue, not getting the benefit of the doubt. Like, honestly, to me, white privilege is not getting the benefit of the doubt. And then she goes, absolutely, I agree with you 100%. And I'm like, she keeps doing this. Like, please, cut me off again. I love it when people ask for someone's opinion and then they talk over them. Like, it's awesome. Please keep doing it. Okay, I say, anytime you walk into somewhere and you don't have someone following you around, as a white person, but a black person goes into a gas station or a clothing store or runs through a neighborhood and they get followed around with the assumption that they're up to no good. Like people see white skin and assume, ah, he or she is probably a good guy, right? Probably okay. But people see black skin and they think thug, criminal. But she's not even listening to what I'm saying. She cuts me off while I'm finishing that last sentence and says, wait, 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 can you look at me real quick? I want to see what you look like. And we're stopped, so I turn to the back, and she smiles at me and goes, hi. And I go, how you doing? And she's like, good. Okay, nothing. You can go on. Now I'm just like super fucking baffled. I, like, I don't even want to continue. She's obviously not listening. I hate people like this. They act like they want to have a conversation, but all they want to do is run their mouth. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I, don't even, I don't even know where to go from here. Like... I told her about bringing a couple of my black friends to the country club when I was in high school to swim and to get some food and hang out or whatever and about the little pool manager that thought they were there to cause problems. And I said, if you think that a black person showing up at a country club is there to cause problems, you're a fucking idiot. And by the way, Sherry at Harmony Landing, you're a malignant bitch. But Angelica is cutting in as I say this, and she's going, I get what you're saying, like, I swear. And I say, and, and that's all it is. And she goes, I don't think it's all there is, though. Here's my view on things. One of my best friends is black, and I understand her. But I think right now, into politics with Donald Trump, if you want to portray Black Lives Matter, but it's not about that, 
people are literally, she slurs her words so bad. She's like, people are literally, like if you're a black person and you, you're you trying to prove a point, all you're doing is, like I think about Martin Luther King and he did peaceful protests. There's no peaceful protests these days, but there are, I say. And I pretend not to notice how bad she just butchered Martin Luther King's name. Like she said, I think about Mart Martin Luther King. I'm like, oh my God. She says, there are, you're right. But how many are there? Not many. There really are not many. And it's gotten to the point where it's political and I'm very much against it. And my black friends actually support me on that. But to me, it's just like, if you want to portray something, why is 90% of the protests happening are violent? And I said, that's not even true. Like, that's just not true. Like, and, and in my head, I'm like, this person clearly has no idea what they're talking about. You don't even know what you're against. You say it's political, but then you can't even unpack that. You can't even finish a fucking sentence. You literally have no fucking clue what you're talking about. She says, it is though. And I said, it's not. It is. I promise. Like, have you looked it up? It really is. And I go, here's the thing. You can't like, and before I, I say anything, she has no idea what I'm going to say next. She goes, don't call me racist. I'm just saying like, I, and I said, I definitely didn't. I definitely didn't even say that. Like, did I say that? Like, what the fuck? And she goes, no, no, absolutely. You did not. That was just me being like, I guess I'm talking to you like you're a friend. And I said, you're defensive. And she goes, no, I'm not. I'm talking to you like you're my friend. You absolutely didn't say that. I'm just talking to you like I would talk to my friend. And I go, I know, but if that's where your mind goes, like if that's the first thing that you blurt out, she goes, no, Jesus, no. But you think you're literally supporting right now. Like, I just want to know. And that's fine. What did I say before we started this thing? And I say that we can agree to disagree. And she goes, yeah. And like, I understand where you're coming from. Like, absolutely. But like, I think, and she's just trailing off. And I'm like, you don't even know what to think because I haven't even been able to finish a fucking sentence. So I say, dude, look, 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 look. All I'm saying is, and she raises her voice louder than mine and says, so I teach sign language and this book. And I'm like, okay, you're not even letting me talk. And she goes, let me listen real quick. And that's what she said. And in my head, I'm like, I wish you would fucking listen. You know, I think you mean, let me talk real quick. But I yielded to her. I was respectful enough to hear her out, even though she wasn't reciprocating. I let her, I let, I let her have the floor. And she goes into this thing where she says, I know this guy that taught sign language. He's a black man. And I was talking to him when this was all going on. And I felt really inappropriate for asking this question. But it kind of made me wonder. And I was like, hey, what do you think about all this? And he told me he lives in Florida. And he told me about all the times he was pulled over. Just nasty shit that happened to him because he was black. And I guess my only point is that I want people to respect black lives but I also want people to respect, like, like not all police, just like not all black, not all white people. And she's fumbling all over herself. And I, and I just can't take this hypocrisy anymore. And I say, dude, but that's literally what you're saying. You're saying, I don't support Black Lives Matter because some of the protests have gotten violent or a handful of people have caused trouble. You're casting judgment on the entire thing because of the actions of a small few which would literally be the same thing as me or anyone else saying I don't support cops 
or Blue Lives Matter because a handful of them have shot and killed innocent people. Like you are asking me and you're asking people not to do that and saying don't judge cops based on a few bad eggs but then somehow can't grasp that same concept when it comes to Black Lives Matter. But before I can even finish that last sentence, she asks, do you support cops? And I finished saying Black Lives Matter in that, in that sentence, right? And she says, again, do you support cops? I'm asking you. And I said, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, do you understand what I'm saying to you? But do you support cops? Do you understand? Do you support cops? That's what she keeps saying. And I'm like, I'm fucking incredulous at this point. I say, I do support cops. Like, of course I support police officers. But what I'm saying is you can't discredit Black Lives Matter and say that it's because people are being violent and then not acknowledge the hypocrisy in defending Blue Lives Matter by saying not all cops and don't judge them all based on the actions of a few. And she says, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think you have a valid point. Absolutely. If you would just kind of hear me out, I agree with you 110%. There's not anything you said that's inaccurate. And I said, I don't hate all cops just because some cops do bad shit. And then she says, and I don't hate all black people. And I said, of course. And she said, yeah, so maybe I'm just miscommunicating that. And I apologize for that. All I'm saying is I'm sad for this world. And I think black people have been mistreated for so long. And I think it's just something that we all need to be aware of. But I think some of the protests and some of that stuff that's going on around this world it doesn't make a good look. Like, if you want to portray that Black Lives Matter, then why do you act like that? Like, to me, Black Lives Matter is your life means just as much as my life, and my life is just as important as your life, and that's what I mean by that. But at the same time, if you're really so adamant about making such a statement, let's make a good statement. Let's not make a bad statement. Let's stand together and make a positive statement, not stand around and say Black Lives Matter, but you're vandalizing shit. And I soften my tone here and I say, I I agree, but I don't think that the people running Black Lives Matter in cities, like the local organizers, go down to protest with the intent like, hey guys, let's fuck some shit up, let's burn some buildings. She goes, oh, are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding me by saying that. Come on, I don't even know you. You seem like a very intelligent person, but you gotta be shitting me right now. And I go, nope. And she goes, you gotta be shitting me. You think that every black life that's protesting right now has a positive energy? Absolutely fucking not. And I said, that's not what I said at all. So what were you saying? Like, I apologize. What were you saying? And, and I just kind of laughed like, <laughs> and like <laughs> I'm done dealing with this. And, and she says, I'm just saying, let's stand together and we want to create something positive. And this has been an issue for a really, really long time. And I say, but that's why it gets violent, I think. That's why people are destroying shit and losing their fucking minds because A, they've been locked up because of COVID and then B, they feel like they've been asking for the same basic shit over and over again to be treated equally for 50, 60 years. And when shit still continues to go down the way it does, at what point don't you just snap? Like, let's put it this way. Do you have siblings, brother, sister? And she goes, I don't want to talk about that. I'm actually adopted, so it's kind of sad, but I'm like, a fucking simple yes or no will do, okay? And she raises her voice and continues, but I disagree with you. I generally disagree with you. I say, fine, fine. 
if you don't have, you know, anybody like that, let's let's just say like if you have anybody like your best friend, let's put it that way, okay? Your best friend. She goes, they're all foreign, but okay. I say, let's say your best friend literally would not stop doing something that was hurtful to somebody else and you kept on asking and asking and asking and begging and pleading and doing everything you could to peacefully ask this person to stop because it was harmful. At some point, you'd probably snap. Like you would hit them or you would throw something or you'd raise their voice to get their point across and the whole time, everything that I'm saying, she keeps trying to butt in between every fucking word, dude. I'm sorry. I dis- I'm sorry, I disagree with you. And I'm like, all right, well. And she goes, I think Black Lives Matter is just a way to literally get Trump out of the fucking election. <laughs> and I'm so done with this conversation at this point. I literally just blurt out, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And she says, well, I still really respect you. I say, I do too. And she says, I will tip the fuck out of you. And I say, we can end this conversation. Like, let's just end this conversation. I don't think you're a bad person. I just think we have very different views and that's okay. At this point, I'm just like, I don't want to fucking argue with this person anymore, right? And she continues, I don't know what you lived through, but I'm not from this country. I'm from Russia. I came here when I was 12. A lot of trauma. I fucking hate Trump and I hate everything that he stands for. But as far as politics goes... I really am a supporter of Trump. His character is fucking despicable. But as far as the United States goes, I think he's the best of the best. And some of my best friends are black and they stand with me on this and we talk about it. And I respect you literally so much. So I think everything you're saying, I I actually agree with a lot. Like I honestly agree with everything that you said. Like I really do. And I'm like, how can this person be so fucking clueless? She's telling me I don't agree with you and then I do agree with you and I don't agree with you and I do agree with you and I say <laughs> I don't think you do and I don't think you've really listened to what I'm saying I think you've waited to talk most of the time that you didn't wait though you it just interrupted me and I have listened to you and I do respect that you have different views But I literally can't even finish that sentence because she says, why am I arguing with my Uber driver? And I go, I don't know. She's like, I am literally arguing with my fucking Uber driver. And I said, you asked to do this. Like you asked to take it here. So we took it here. And she's like, you're right. You're right. I can't even argue with that. I'm like, I was going to ask, what country were you born in? Like, how do you like living in America? And she's like, okay, let's just start over. And and now we're just like kind of laughing, you know, and, and somehow we still have another 10 minutes left in this ride. It was a long one. So I'm like, okay, I got to salvage this thing. So we started talking about her being back from like Russia and what she does for work. She says, you know, her boyfriend and her just bought a house, but they're in a fight. And I ask why. And she says, well, it's hard to describe He's literally the nicest guy. Like, people all the time are like, why is this guy with this feisty-ass girl? And it's hard to describe, but basically, I just feel like he doesn't appreciate all that I give up and all the social stuff I give up just to be respectful and be there for him. And today, I just kind of like, all my friends saw it, and they were like, you can go out sometimes without him. And I don't know, I'm just frustrated, and honestly, like... I shouldn't even be going out. Like, this is not a good decision. Like, I'm not going to do anything bad. But should I be going out? Like, is this good for, like, I I don't know. I, I don't feel good right now about going out. 
Like I feel so guilty, but I was just so stressed out. And she's just like unloading and I'm like, you sound like a very social person and you shouldn't have to give that up 100% of the time. And then the times that you do go out, you shouldn't be made to feel guilty about it because then you can't enjoy any of it. And she goes, but I feel like that's a relationship. And I'm like, honey, no, relationships are give and take. 50-50 ideally, but usually somewhere between 60-40 on different stuff, sometimes even 70-30, but it's never, it shouldn't ever be 100% one way all the time. And she says, but at the same time, it was just, I don't know. And I said, it sounds like you're giving things up. And she cuts in, I do, but he also gives things up. And I just feel like I'm being a bad girlfriend right now. And honestly, like I'm feeling a little guilty. And then also like tonight, we've done everything he wanted to do. Like the whole week came out with his friends and all my girlfriends are at this house and it's my friend's mansion. And he's like, no, I don't want to go downtown. I don't feel comfortable going downtown with you. And I'm just like, why? And he's just like, I don't feel comfortable about you being downtown. And like, I just feel like I'm not allowed to... I'm not allowed to take an Uber by myself. I'm not allowed to be downtown by myself. I'm not even allowed to be downtown with him, like unless I'm strapped. I don't know. And I said, he sounds very controlling. And she says, he's not though. Like that's the funniest part. Like he's the most chillest. And I'm like, I don't know. And, but I, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just over it, right? And she says, I'm sure if you met him, you'd be like, wow, like everyone that meets him is like, he's the best guy. And I say, listen, I'm sure he's a great dude. I'm just saying the things that you're telling me, it sounds like you're describing a controlling person. And I'm not biased at all. Like I have no reason to steer you in one direction or the other. I'm just keeping it real with you. He sounds like a controlling dude. And it sounds like that's where your frustration is coming from. And she says, can I tell you something? Like, I love you to death, and I respect people with different opinions than me. I really do. And I hear you, even though you don't think I do. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, listen, I hear you too. Like, if you can't have a discussion like this, then, then you're lost. You got nothing. And then she continues. And then also, another thing that I've been struggling with today. So me and my boyfriend went out last year. And I was dating somebody for two years at the time. And my friend called me today and said that person died. And I said, oh, man, I'm sorry. And she said, and I don't know how I should feel about it, to be honest. Like, I think I've been acting out today, and there's no romance there at all, like no feelings, but it's still someone I spent two years with when it was just like last year, and it bothers me a little bit. And I said, how can it not? How did he pass away? And she says, he was smoking pot with his neighbor and collapsed. And it took the ambulance 45 minutes to get there. And his heartbeat was irregular. And since it took so long for the ambulance to get there, there was no oxygen to his. And she trails off and she says, I I don't know how to describe it because I'm not a scientist. But pretty much he was brain dead, but his heart was still going. I'm like, that's fucking terrible, man. And she says, and I just feel like I just haven't been able to express my feelings about that. But it's just really shocking. Like, it's weird. I don't know how to feel about it, you know? but I can't really express it to my boyfriend. Imagine that happened to you. Would you have some type of feeling? And I said, I would mourn the loss of someone I gave two years of my life with. And she says, and I haven't mourned. I have not mourned because I'm just like, okay, let's not think about it. And I think that's why I've been acting out. 
And I said, well, you have. And she's like, shut up. Like, listen to you. Listen, you know, like, listen to this bitch you just met in your car. And, and we laugh because I was like, I know she's been acting out today. She's acting out right now. You acting up. Whose girl is this, man? She's fucking acting up in here. All right. And I'm like, no, I'm just saying, like, if you feel like that, that you're acting out, it's because you're not letting yourself sit with those emotions and just letting yourself feel that completely. So you're doing other things to try and forget about it and bury it. But the way that you're going to have to process that is because it's more trauma. It's more trauma. And you're going to have to eventually meet that head on. And you said you're in therapy, so you know this stuff. But you need to sit with those feelings and really just feel it, let it pass, and move on. And she says, yeah, I'm used to trauma. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to feel about it, I guess, right now. And I said, feel sad. Like, that would suck. No, I don't want to feel sad. Like, fuck sadness. I'm just not going to think about it and just move on. I think if I don't think about it, if I move on, then I'll never have to think about it again. (laughs) I'm like, but that's just not true. And she goes, yeah, it is. You just put one foot in front of the other. That's what I've done all my life. Finally, fucking finally, man, we pull up to this supposed mansion. Surprise, surprise. It's definitely not a mansion. I'm like, bitch, what fucking mansion is on 6th Street? Get real. It looked like a big college house that we used to party in on Crescent or University or something. Two stories, but a mansion? Get the fuck out of here, all right? She calls up her friend who comes out wearing a bikini and is very hot, and this girl was pretty hot too. And honestly, I know a stripper when I see one, and I think they were strippers. Like, I could be wrong, I could be dead wrong, but her friend was definitely a stripper. And we said goodbye, and she thanked me for the conversation, And I just laughed and laughed and laughed, thinking about her next unsuspecting victim. And her saying, I'm not going to be bad, but I feel guilty. Like, come on now. Why feel guilty if you have a clean conscience and have nothing to worry about? I guarantee she woke up the next morning with something to legitimately feel bad about and guilty about. She's like, oh, I think I'm acting out. Just got in a fight with my controlling boyfriend. This is probably a bad idea. I go out tonight, but I think I can behave. Yeah, right, bitch. 50 grand says she got in that bitch and started drama or got flirty with the first dude that acted like he gave a shit about anything she talked about. <laughs> good riddance, all right? You're good goots. I can't deal with you anymore. Good God, I was so glad to get out, get her out of the car. I mean, I was just like, I was done. I couldn't believe. Just the, the, the lack of awareness, man. The hypocrisy. It's just like, I, I, I just, that kind of shit drives me nuts. After Angelica... I had one more rider, Quincy, AirPods in, again, super nice, because my energy at this point is like now in combative mode, like I'm charged up, this bitch got me gassed up, and not that I would have directed that towards Quincy or anybody else, but I was just super thankful that I finally had a second to breathe that hostility out of my system and let that exit the car with her, like bad vibes, be gone, right, I got Quincy to his spot safely, And then almost as if it was happening according to plan, despite being downtown on Market Street, a relatively busy area, or at least close enough in proximity to busy areas, I hadn't gotten any new requests before dropping them off. I waited around a few minutes, and then I got a text from Ross saying, yo, you still good to scoop us at 11 p.m.? I look at the clock. It's 9.47. I think to myself, if I leave now, I can stop at home. It'll take me 20 minutes to get there toss my clothes in the washer for the camping trip tomorrow, maybe have a couple minutes to sit down, maybe grab something real quick to eat, leave by 10.30 p.m., 
and be at the wedding venue in Crestwood with plenty of time to grab Ross and Kirby. I look at the Uber app again, still online, still nothing coming in. So I stop new requests, log off, check my stats for the day. Pretty good. Online for just a shade under five hours, nine rides completed, 27 points, 198 bucks on the day. Add in another 100 that I'm going to get for this 10th ride picking up Ross and Kirby, 298 in five and a half hours. You do the math. So I pick him up and I ask him how the wedding was. And Kirby's like, we didn't fuck around, man. You know we don't fuck around. And Ross is like, we're going to be friends, man. We're going to hop on the podcast and shit. I'm like, let's do it, man. And he says, so any good stories? And like, we're kind of talking. Kirby's in the back, half singing to Miss Me by Drake. And then he just blurts out, I want to fuck some strange. And I'm like, man, what a fucking night it's been. What a vibe to literally start and end the night with you boys. So I run through some of the stories, tell them about Sean in the video. They thought that was so cool. Ross is like, you know, that that's like what I forget to realize sometimes is that the small impact that you have and the ability of everyday little interactions, you don't realize the momentous abilities of that shit. And I'm like, yeah, dude, like every, every ride isn't going to be like that. But if you just keep planting seeds like that pretty soon, you're going to be like, damn, where did this garden come from? You know? And he's like, 100%, man, plant the seeds, throw them out there. That's one of my passions in life is people get so carried away with trying to figure out what their passion is. But the truth of it is finding good perspective, you know, there's passion, purpose, and perspective. Those are the three P's, I call them. And Kirby stops nodding his head for a second to say, can't have all three. (laughs) He's just like chiming in randomly. It's awesome. (laughs) he's gone, all right? And I say, I honestly think that's the key to life, man. Like, if you're not doing something that you legitimately enjoy doing, those weeks and those months and those years that grind you down, you make it through those years by doing something that you enjoy. And if you don't, then you're not gonna make it through. You're gonna end up quitting your job or getting burnt out. And Ross is like, 100%, man. Like, in my job right now, I have to realize that I have the ability to make an impact, And if you realize those small moments, it helps to make the big moments. And that's the biggest thing. Everyone's like, follow your heart, follow this, follow that. You know what? There's more 30 fucking year olds that are out there that don't have a fucking clue what they want to do when they grow up. That's the thing that we lead with. When you're in kindergarten, what do they fucking ask you? What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? That's the fucking worst question you can ask a fucking small child. Why? Because that's such a unipolar question. You should be asking these kids, who do you want to be when you grow up? Because it doesn't have a fucking thing to do with what you do. It's who you are, man. Like if I'm a fucking garbage man and I'm the best person ever though, I have the best outlook, I got the best thing, I'm going to fucking love what I'm doing. It's huge. And so the way we raise our cultures, man, we raise our cultures to be identified with some sort of a job trade or a label when the truth is that's the thing that fucking killing our culture is labels. And I said people need to get value from within. Like somewhere along the lines, I think people have really forgot that. And he said they do, man. Kirby may get off on making fucking 100 Gs a year. I may get off on making people happy. It doesn't matter how much I make a year. Some people's success points are totally different. And Kirby clears his throat and says, I don't. 
I turned down 80 G's. <laughs> I don't know if he was serious or not, but I'm like, because you're a fucking baller, Kirby. And they're like, Ben, you got to come out to Vegas with us, man. We share some Vegas stories, the three of us, that I'll save for when Ross jumps on the show. Maybe we'll save those. Maybe maybe we won't get to those Uber stories or those Vegas stories because they're pretty savage. Uh, but finally, we pull up to their hotel and say our goodbyes. And I drive home going, this was the fucking best day ever. Like, best week ever. Knowing that I was going off the grid the next day with Maddie, and my week was over. Like, I was done. And I fucking killed it. Willie Beeman, baby. So many great vibes. So many great connections. And I'm so glad, because I was super tempted to just stay at my friend's house earlier that day and just break down, drink, succumb to the peer pressure, say fuck it. But I'm so glad that I didn't because I ended up having the day that I did and look where it got us. Like, this was a great episode, I, I think. Okay, and I hope you do too. But I finally got to sleep sometime after 1 a.m. I slept for four hours. I got up at 5.30 a.m. the next morning, Sunday morning. Maddie picks me up and I turn my phone off. I put it in the glove box and we went down to the Red River Gorge and into the woods and I just totally unplugged for 24 hours. And it was fucking amazing. I put in close to 55 hours last week between driving Uber and doing the podcast. And the best part is, I loved every second of it. And I can't wait to do it again this week. Hustling around, meeting new people, telling and being told great stories, getting my name out there via word of mouth, guerrilla marketing, whatever you want to call those girls wanting to record that message and be on the show. Like they send this episode to their friends and their family and now the reach is starting to grow. New people listening right now at this very second. You, yes, you, all right? I'm encouraging you to go check out some of the other Uber episodes uh, and some of the other interviews with recent guests and subscribe to this podcast. So on Tuesdays and Fridays, you're not going to miss a beat. And if you vibe with any of the topics that we hit on, or you're wildly entertained by the stories and not offended by foul language, hopefully, right? Hopefully, you'll be back next week and you'll leave me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts so I know you're with me. But man, gassing people up and getting videos like the one I got from Sean and knowing that I helped somebody else on their journey, that for that brief moment when our paths cross, I impacted somebody else in that positive way. They remembered me. Our interactions stood out to them. That's powerful. It's fucking beautiful. And it's why I love the path that I'm on right now. I'm blazing my own trail week by week, and I promise that we're just getting started. Join me on this journey, my friends. I don't know where it's going to end, but I know it's going to be one hell of a story. I'm back on Friday. Tony Booker in studio. I'll talk to you then. I am Ben Tompkins. That is Real Talk.